So what's interesting for us is at the beginning, it was a lot of word of mouth and events. Like we were at various events, doing pop-ups, uh, meeting different families, and that spread through word of mouth. So parents referring parents, which for us is the best form of marketing. Um, but obviously in the times we live in, it, it had to slant more towards social and digital marketing. So we have been pushing more on, you know, Facebook advertising and various social media, as well as, you know, trying to generate hot leads through webinars or different more online events. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Caitlin, co-founder and CEO at Musimio. Musimio is a virtual reality edtech platform that bridges culture with curriculum. Children aged 7 to 11 can adventure through curriculum-led quests, featuring interactive, museum-inspired artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, today, we're talking with Caitlin from Musemio. Um, lovely to have you on the show, Caitlin. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background and what it is you guys do over at Musemio. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Caitlin Fritz, and I'm one of the co-founders and COO of Musemio. I am originally from the States, uh, rural Pennsylvania, and I've been in London now for about three years. During my time in London, I was studying art history and fell in love with it, but realized that there's so many economic, social, geographic barriers to learning about art. And I met my co-founder at a University of London-wide hackathon on a wintry day in London. And yeah, together, she has a background, her name is Olga Kravchenko, um, but she has a background in cultural management from more of a museum lens. And together we combined our ideas of museums and education to make Museumio. Awesome. And since then, basically February 2018, our goal is to make uh, cultural education more accessible to kids via using technology. Uh, With our mobile application, children can explore curriculum-led quests, featuring different artifacts from around the world. And basically with just a cardboard headset and a smartphone, any kid can explore culture at home. Also, I think I might uh, download the app and, and have a little go. I, I was, <laughs> there there I was, are no age limits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was checking out the website. Some of the, uh, the experiences look really fun. Uh, actually, it's, it's, a great, it's a great idea. Um, I, really, I really am interested in sort of the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial push uh, behind you know children-led activities we actually had a, another um, similar well not necessarily so similar it was more focused towards science but certainly an idea um, directed towards children and um, the innovation in tech in that area is it's incredible it's 
I think, you know, kids nowadays, they're, they're so glued to the screens. Um, uh, everywhere I go in public, you know, it's just like, kind of like, okay, here, have the smartphone and, and be quiet type of thing. Um, but I think it's such an incredible use of technology to be able to expand that universe. And, and looking at um, some of the experiences that you have or, or your digital presence, it looks like, you know, it's such an interactive and fun idea so yeah i would love to love to hear a little bit about how you came up with that idea um i know you you mentioned you met your co-founder um at a hackathon which is pretty cool in itself but um you know ideation wise um you know where how did you guys come up with this idea well what's interesting is uh my co-founder had this preliminary idea of like a museum Mm 2.0 during her studies which was more of a gamified museum And together we met and with my background more focused in literacy and education, I thought there's so much more opportunity than just a game. Like we can use gamification to really inspire children to learn. Yeah. And it was very much a layering of ideas until it is it formed as Musemio. I'm not saying there hasn't been iterations along the way because that's obviously part of the process. But um, through and through it, it always remained an interactive, immersive experience for kids to really contextualize culture. Because it's very difficult to, you know, look at a Roman vase and and understand that history and that story. And history is so full of stories that just aren't being told in ways maybe that are as engaging as they Mm. could be. Yeah, I remember reading um, horrible histories and the the series books when I was younger, and it was just they're great. Like, yeah, it was it was such a cool dive. I mean, it would be incredible to see. Um, also, I mean, just you know, in the future, maybe on the roadmap for you guys, going into a museum um, like where you can actually see the the real life uh, artifact, and then and then maybe jump into a, an AR experience or a VR experience and experience sort of the the lifeline or, or the the roadmap for that artifact that would be really really cool as well so i mean very exciting idea um i guess you know we'll definitely talk about the roadmap and what's on there for the future for you guys later on in the show um so you mentioned that you have a co-founder um and you are coo so how does that dynamic work between you guys you know um, what sort of roles and what sort of responsibilities does does each take so we we've always been pretty clear on our strengths. Um, we are an ed tech company. I am much more the ed side. She is much more the tech side. Yeah. Um, so she does a lot of the technical management, uh, fundraising, more higher level strategy. And on my side is more the design comms um, and education arms of the company. Cool. Who, uh, who research, who gets to research and, and build the experiences? So we actually, it, that one's collaborative, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Um, and we have a, uh, a chief kid officer. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a yep. good title. Yeah. So um, we have an, a uh, primary school age girl who keeps our ears to the ground on what is trending with kids, what they're learning. Um, so she definitely gets her feedback as well. Incredible. That's really cool. Um, that's lovely to get in and customer centric, right? Keeping that, uh, that really good approach. Awesome. Um, so how far are you guys with your journey at the moment? Um, are you, are you funded? Have you been through any investment rounds? So what's interesting for us is we have 
bootstrapped and mm -hmm. received grant funding definitely in the early stages, which really was the way to go as we were yeah. developing and refining. We have received some initial funding. We were part of Bethnal Green Ventures okay. and um, part of their accelerator, accelerator uh, you received funding. And we've basically been um, funded by angels as well. Awesome. Awesome. And, and what has been the involvement of the angels then? Has that been purely a you know, a monetary uh, transaction or have they, you know, did you pick angels that um, potentially could add some more value, let's say to, to the business in terms of network and advice? No, our, our angels are actually just incredible. Um, they have, you know, opened up their networks, their advice, and they were the ones who really, you know, we had one angel who still gave us money in the midst of COVID. Mm -hmm. which I understand is very difficult for individuals as well as, you know, the entire economy. Absolutely. And for them to continue to, you know, reach out to us almost on a monthly basis has been absolutely incredible. And that's what we wanted. We wanted smart money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. I think it's, it's such an important thing at the moment, you know, to, to choose your angels very wisely um, because, you know, we've, we've spoken to a, a bunch of different um, startups and, and individuals within startups over the, you know, the past weeks with the podcast. Um, and I think pretty much every single one of them has stressed the fact that when they have uh, taken on angels, they've been a lot more than just that monetary value. And they've added, you know, extreme value beyond, you know, what they would have expected in the first place. So that's a really cool thing. Um, interesting to hear that. I think it's a common or, or it should be viewed as a, a standard moving forward, especially in the startup scene. Um, I think it really helps with development. Um, so, okay, you mentioned that you had a variety of, of iterations with the product and okay, you layered different ideas until you guys finally um, reached the, I guess, what, the core of what Musemio was, was trying to achieve. Um, but, but how did you get there? Could you get a, a little bit more context to that? Yes. So we have an amazing CTO who was one of Olga's former classmates. They'd known each other for 15 years. He's back in Ukraine and uh, he helped us build our first MVP, which is very much a minimum, minimum viable product, yeah, but yeah. it allowed us to, to get something out there to the children mm. and to truly test, was this something, you know, viable and engaging? And we realized it was. So building on top of that, we also were a part of the UCL Educate program, which focuses on making sure your ed tech says what it does so mm -hmm. it allows you to really have research behind your ed tech yeah um and that we joined that in the midst of our mvp stage because we wanted to be something that was truly cultural education mm. and through that we were able to keep testing and keep refining and not only from a ux ui design graphics perspective but also from more of a pedagogical perspective as well mm. and I would say we've probably iterated, you know, six times in a year, but each time it keeps getting better and better. Our graphics are crisper and our challenges are even more engaging for the kids. Cool. And, uh, and I'll say this again. I think the fact that you guys have a chief kid officer is just, that's amazing. Um, so, so in terms of being customer centric and, and pushing out those initial, um, I guess, iterations of your product, um, 
and, and this is kind of slightly off topic maybe, but how, how did you go about um, surveying and, and getting feedback from the, the kids, the children that were actually using the product? Was that, because typically, of course, you know, when you're dealing with other adults and control groups and research groups, you can just send them a survey. Was it the same with, with kids or how did that happen? Kids are unpredictable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're, they're so much fun. And the thing too is they are so honest. Like mm. If you want unbiased feedback, you ask a child um, yeah. and, and they will try to break it. I had one kid yeah. being like, I want to run through the wall. And I was like, please do. It, it will find a bug I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but we, we actually had a lot of mentors who were early supporters who had children. Mm -hmm. um, and you're like, oh yeah, of course. Like you can take my kid for an hour and they get to play and learn at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, which was really valuable for us. And we also did different pop-ups, whether they were in the museum or a workshop in a school, just to keep iterating with those children. Awesome. And so you've mentioned that, you know, you, you have sort of the CEO, COO positions filled, CTO positions filled. C K O uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, filled. So, so how did the progression of your, your team at Musemio um, happen? You know, what did it start off with? I guess it was yourself and your co-founder and then potentially the CTO joined. Um, but how did it develop? What does the, the size of the team look like now? And, and how do you guys manage that internal structure? Yes. So it has, it has ebbed and flowed. Mm -hmm. I think um, there's always been, the three of us, so Alex, Olga, and myself, as kind of the spearheading group, we, mm -hmm. we can say. But we have gotten various advisors as well as employees, mm -hmm. um, such as a 3D modeler to make all of our models, you know, crisp and RIP, which was great. Um, we have various advisors in the business and education space, which has helped us. And now I think we're a team of seven, but we'll be a team of like 10 by the end of the week. Yeah. Oh, wow. My oh, math, cool. my math yeah. might be hazy. What's, what's also been great is throughout the process, we, we've really utilized um, having incredible interns. Some of our interns have stayed on for, you know, longer than expected. Yeah. And um, really giving them not only like a, a job, but also mentorship Yeah. Um, within the entrepreneurial space. So we genuinely love having inter like interns this summer who mm -hmm. are phenomenal. Yeah. What type of um, roles do the, the interns usually fill then? Is that uh, maybe some design, some narrative, some story writing, et cetera? Yeah. So a lot of them are more content creation side of sure. things. So visuals, um, as well as video and different short and long form content. Great. So I think that actually leads us very nicely onto the sort of creative side of the conversation. So um, in terms of branding and creative content, um, when did that conversation start happening? Uh, and, and who's sort of within your team? Who's, let's say, heading that side of the business? Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I love my co-founder, but she's like, if I was doing a slide deck, it would be <laughs> very boring. <laughs> <laughs> Death by PowerPoint. Um, yes. But I realized from the beginning that branding, especially as a startup, is so important because you don't really have 
the same footing that companies, you know, that are established mm-hmm. and recognized household names have. And especially in the kids tech space, you want to be as trustworthy and um, reliable as possible. Mm-hmm. And for us, we realized with brand, we can leverage that. And so what was the initial part of that um, that stage then? Was that looking at values and defining the values within the company and then from there going and looking at graphics and how those values can be expressed? Or did you jump into you know, graphic design with help of your interns and, and uh, others? So much like our tech, our, our design has iterated in the in the years which has really led us to where we are today at the beginning it was you know a logo um, which is one we didn't even stick with but it was something to put forth Um, and for us we created it with our values but also what what imagery we wanted to portray across so we recognized um, through some research that we didn't really want a gendered uh, museum guide. Uh, we wanted something that every child could relate to. So we have Neo the robot. Mm-hmm. And Neo has friends along the way. And coming up with Neo and the words associated with him, like adventure, quest, explore, education, we realized that we wanted to be fun and playful, but still have that edge that tech companies have. Mm -hmm. So I call our brand like a sophisticated whimsy. Nice. (laughs) Incredible. And um, so as you mentioned, you work with uh, a fair few interns on the sort of content creation side. So, um, So in terms of the shape of like brand guidelines at the moment, do you guys have something in place or how do you brief them so that they stay you know, on the same track as, as your vision. Yes. So what's interesting is we had very loose brand guidelines, I would say up until late winter this year. And one of our interns, actually her first task was making a brand book. And Mm -hmm. it is one of the most phenomenal brand books. I, I have every image, color code, font, text, wording. And from that, that's basically been, you know, the brand handbook. Awesome. Well, that's it definitely shows on your on your socials. I mean, the amount of content you guys have posted is incredible. And I love the colors as well. So in terms of the colors, just a quick question there, because obviously working with children in the branding space, that's that has to be colorful, right? It has to be appealing. So did you guys do any um, research in that sort of color space to do with kids or how did that color scheme come about? Yeah, so what's interesting is within the space i feel like both within the vr space and within the children's tech space there's a lot of cool tones so there's a lot of blues there's a lot of blue and orange pairs um and for us we realized that we wanted to to stand out both visually and with our content so we we played around with the colors and i think at first you know going for almost a rainbow was ambitious but then how we used it, it wasn't as, you know, rainbowy as it appears. Um, but we did do some research and we recognized that we wanted to, you know, almost every child's favorite color is represented, um, yeah. which is something that was really cool for us. That's really beautiful. 
Yeah, that, that's that's an awesome way of, of, of hitting it, actually, is just making sure that every child's favorite color is, yeah. is represented. I love that. Very um, demanding audience, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So in terms of marketing, then, how, how do you guys um, advertise your product? How do you push it out there at the moment? I, I, of course, you're very active on social. Um, tell us a bit about that. So what's interesting for us is at the beginning, it was a lot of word of mouth and events. Like mm -hmm. we were at various events, doing pop-ups, uh, meeting different families, and that spread through word of mouth. So parents referring parents, which for us is the best form of marketing. Yeah. Um, but obviously in the times we live in, it, it had to slant more towards social and digital marketing. So we have been pushing more on, you know, Facebook advertising and various social media, as well as, you know, trying to generate hot leads through webinars or different more online events. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you guys do run webinars. What, what do they typically entail? So it's for us, we did um, kind of like an interactive webinar for an hour on a theme of history or, you know, relating to one of our levels. So we did an Egyptian webinar with um you know ancient egypt and facts and and kids got to play with zoom in ways they probably weren't ever allowed to you know talk on zoom before yeah, yeah, yeah. um and that was that was really fun and engaging and for us it's it's getting that that content out there whether um it, it's through digital means or through our app Cool. And, and how do you guys um, structure that marketing activity internally then? Is that something you've, you've got uh, maybe interns working on? Do you have someone uh, in-house that handles that? Or do you work with uh, an external agency? So for us, we kind of do a bit of both. So uh, Pixo Crowd does our Facebook advertising. Mm -hmm. And we've been working with them now quite recently. But they're handling all of the Facebook. It's, it's an it's a analytic, you know, uh trap yeah but uh so they're navigating all of that for us and optimizing that um but overseeing the marketing it is myself and we basically have another intern and it, it has been you know a roadmap building process so you mm -hmm. know having trello and different ways to measure because i think that's one mistake startups make we made it as well is measuring your return on your marketing from the beginning and, yeah. and for us now that's something we definitely keep an eye on you know bi-weekly yeah yeah having that i guess attribution in place just to make sure you know exactly where every penny is being spent is yeah it's 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 so important for the growth of any any startup let alone a tech startup you know um super important stuff so very interesting um insight so in terms of roadmap then um and the, the future of museumio you know where are you guys now and where are you trying to go what's what's on the roadmap for the future so i guess we can start big picture first Absolutely. Um, the goal is to be you know the disney of cultural education we want every child to just fall in love with the history and the narratives we're presenting and what our first step to kind of get there is we were awarded grant funding through innovate uk as a covid 19 response so now we are in the process of making Museumio multimodal and more accessible to children just beyond VR, but still using the immersive techniques we use. Mm -hmm. And we think that will open up a whole new world of users as well as age demographics. So that is something we're really excited about. 
Um, obviously, some of our, our roadmap, I could tell you when COVID happened, got pushed back. Yeah. Um, all of my summer events obviously aren't happening this summer, but we're still really looking forward to engaging with the children, engaging with museums across the world um, to, to continue that pipeline. Cool. And, and then I guess, you know, looking at this from a, a slightly more personal perspective, then, you know, you're a co-founder, um, you've, you've started up Museumio, you've got grants and funding, you guys have a really cool product. Um, you have, uh, I guess, a very good audience, people engaging with the product, using the, using the product. You've even got a, a chief kid officer, um, which is really cool. So, you know, looking back over your journey and actually building this up from, from napkin to real thing, you know, how, how did that process look like? And, well, not necessarily how did the process look like, but are there any, you know, key learnings that you could distill from that to maybe give the audience so they can, if they want to do it themselves, they can really, you know, get some, some value from it. Yeah, I think as a first time founder, and I have to admit, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. You sure. know, that wasn't something I ever thought about personally, because entrepreneurs usually in America are like the Jeff Bezos or, <laughs> you know, the Elon Musk's. I didn't think what I was doing was entrepreneurship. And I also wanted to do something with more social impact than you know just e-commerce per, per se sure. um so for us it was really about what impact we were making i think mm. from the beginning we knew um this wasn't a company that was going to sell in three years because ed tech's a lot slower um but it's something i 100 percent do not regret i think along our journey we learned some really tough tips and experiences as a dual female founded team. Um, we have had, you know, different kind of moments of adversity as, as founders, but yeah. it was perseverance and the resilience. And just for us, you know, even on those days where everything didn't seem to work, going back to that mission, that vision, and remembering when, you know, that one kid put on a headset and just, asked their dad to go to the museum and just you could see that light mm. and those are the moments that really fulfilled our why wicked um awesome i think that's that's an incredibly valuable piece of information um it, it's just whenever you feel a bit lost taking it back stripping it back to those values to those initial goals to those initial visions and really just like maybe taking a, a little bit of time to realign yourself mentally um, and, and then hit back at it. I really, yeah, I a hundred percent, I agree with that. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Um, and one more question, actually. So, um, you guys have been on this journey for a while now and obviously starting a company, it's not an easy task at all. Um, did you, um, what, are you literally like hundred percent all in and it's like no weekends, you know, it's just fully, fully this, or did you manage to carve out some time to actually have that time off and, and be able to, you know, reflect on where you guys are going? Where, where did you come to um, at that point and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think that's, that's one thing I was going to highlight as well is I think in the early days, we did not give ourselves a break and it was hustling all the time, um, trying to work as much as we could weekends, and we realized we weren't giving a hundred percent. Like we were, we were 
operating at, you know, glass half filled. And as two co-founders, we sat down and we're like, we have, this isn't healthy and this is just going to, you know, burn us out in the long run. And we're more creative, more productive, creating better work when we actually get to step away and go be inspired. So for mm. us, you know, going to a museum on the weekend or reading or just stepping away actually provided more inspiration on that Monday morning that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And I think so many founders don't reflect both within their company and just what gives them inspiration. Because if you're head down in the computer all day, like creativity probably will not foster as, as quickly as, you know, doing those things that you're really passionate about. So a huge thank you to Museumio for speaking to us. You can find them online at museumio.com or follow them on social at Museumio UK. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.